Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. My co-host today is Nathan. Hello, thanks for having me. Today's topic, Masters of the Universe Revelation Season 1, the epic sequel to the beloved 80s franchise. This is your warning, we will be talking spoilers. We have the power, and we will. And on that beloved franchise from the 80s, I mean, I know... What's Masters of the Universe to you? Did you have the toys? Did you watch the cartoon? Absolutely. I, that, was a, that was the first franchise I fell completely in love with as, as a kid. Um, I loved it. I, I bought into it so hard. I had all the toys. I've actually just gone out and re-bought the reissue figurines as well. Yeah, and they, they're excellent. They are doing figures from the show, but they're also doing retro figures as well, which look fantastic and really reasonably priced as well. Absolutely, and I think the whole the whole point of the the re- reissue retro figures is to try and look as close as possible to the ones we had as kids, and we're all kicking ourselves because the, the the figurines we had as kids we all got rid of. I mean, I, some people probably kept them, but I certainly got rid of mine, and that's why there's the nostalgia kick in going back and reacquiring them all these years later for the fun of it. Plus, it's the Netflix show that's driving this 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 nostalgia train. And that's it. And this show is one of two on Netflix at the moment. This is essentially, it is a direct continuation of the original show. So it's aimed more at a more mature audience. It's more violent. They've updated the art style, but it still feels of the original show. But the other Netflix He-Man show is He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. That is a kid's show, mm. which is fantastic. Like this show is geared to older Master Universe fans, but then there's the other one for kids, which admittedly I am watching that one as well, but I don't get from that what I get from this, but that is for a younger audience. The toys, I had the toys as well. I had the play sets, I had yeah. Castle Grayskull. Yeah, me too. Snake Mountain. But there was that many toys. I mean, this essentially, this series, the original one, was a toy first, a cartoon second yeah it was a way of selling toys the toys exactly and you don't realize that until you're older and somewhat more cynical that many toys i realized one toy in particular i didn't even realize it was master of the universe and it is king randor's horse yeah. it's a robotic horse honestly i'm watching the cartoon and he's on the back of this horse i'm like wow that's it's a, a Masters of the Universe toy I had, but didn't realize it was from Masters of the Universe. I, and I think what's great about the toy line is that you remember the names. I had Spikor, I had Stinkor, uh, I had Merman, I had Ramman. Um, they all ended man or or. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I I had so many. Like, yeah, me so too. so many. Yeah, Skeletor was my prized possession though. He was so badass. There was this one kid I had who lived up the road from me. He had the original Skeletor. And I had the one that was battle damage. So when you hit him, um, his chest spins around to reveal the damage you took that he took from the assault or your axe. And I had battle damage one, so I wanted plain Skeletor with the with the the skull and crossbones breastplate. And I was insanely jealous of this kid. I tried every which way to bribe him into giving me that figurine in exchange for any of my toys he cared to name. But uh, he never did get capitulate. He never caved. And I'm final. I finally got that figure now. So I'm stoked. I've, all these years later, I'm 41, and I finally have the Skeletor. 
I wanted as a kid. That's what we're doing as grown-ups. We're just buying what either we misplaced or never had as a kid. Yeah, and doesn't it feel great? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it, it, it really does. I mean, I've got to say, you're definitely the best guest I could have had for this episode. I think probably more than anyone I know, you're the biggest Masters of the Universe fan. And oh, you yeah. know, it wasn't until it came back and everybody was talking about it again that I first heard it referred to as Motu. I've never, yeah. never heard that, but that's a thing. Like hardcore yeah. masters of the universe fans, shorthand Motu. Now we, oh now, now that revelations out, we, we call it Motur, Motor. Oh, is that a thing? Motur. I think it's. I, I've been saying Motur, M O T U R. Are you coining that, or is that official? That's the first. I've I don't heard. think it's official. I'm coining it myself. Okay, let's um, Un- let's go. Unofficial. As I've said, this show is a sequel to the 1983 filmation series He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, but it ignores the events of the new adventures of He-Man. I'm so glad. Remember that one where it was He-Man in space and he had a ponytail? Oh, it's terrible. Yes. Is that where he had the glowing power sword that was, that was like yellow? So I think it's we've terrible. said, we don't need to say any more than that. We've no, acknowledged we that show existed. Unfortunately, it did. Moving, moving, moving right along. briskly on. Revelation focuses on the unresolved storylines of the original 83 TV series, picking up many of the characters' journeys where they left off. Mm. It was announced at PowerCon in 2019. The team discussed the lead-up to the series, presented, well, they also presented the teaser poster and a brief story outline. So if you're listening and you're not aware, PowerCon, imagine Comic-Con, Masters of the Universe only. That's yeah. that's how big this is as a franchise. It's surprising yeah. to me it's taken so long for them to actually bring it back. I'm surprised it's taken us this long to not mention the white elephant in the room. And that is... Kevin Smith is the we're showrunner. Gonna, we're going to get to him. We're, we're, we're working our way. We're very close. Did you see that first teaser they put out? It was early June. And it made prominent use of holding out for a hero performed by Bonnie mm. Tyler. Mm. Oh, mate. I like that song anyway, going all the way back to the Lois and Clark New Adventures Superman pilot. Yeah. When Mark Kent is trying all the different costumes out for Clark. Yeah. That's the song that's playing. So I've loved it since that pilot in 93. But the use of it here with the, the updated animation style, seeing He-Man and holding out for a hero fit it perfectly so i was already excited and yeah the use of that song in that teaser got me even more excited yeah good news the series has received positive reviews from critics there's still no confirmation of a second season but we should note that there's 10 episodes in the first season and netflix released it in two parts Mm. yeah as part one and part two as bookends Part one, the the approach to that essentially was episodic. Yeah. Whereas part five, it plays more like a movie. Yeah. But altogether, like you could just binge the whole thing now. It's all available yeah. on Netflix. I think it's fair to say that part one uh, struck a sore kind of spot with a lot of fans, and we'll we'll get into that. We can we can get into all that. Uh, I mean, the plot, mm. the war for Eternia begins again in what may be the final battle between He-Man and Skeletor. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially what the show always was anyway, but I guess they're leading, or they're wanting us to think, as we start watching this Mm. show, this could be the final. 
Stakes yeah. are high in the show. There's a lot more stakes than you had in that original 80s show. Agreed. Okay, Kevin Smith. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's, the, he's the showrunner. He's the showrunner. And honestly, like you and I, and we've spoken about it on the podcast before, big fans of oh, Kevin yeah. Smith. Yep, that's well and documented. Yeah, for me, the first thing I I read of Kevin Smith was the screenplay for Clerks, which has a very different ending, which confused me <laughs> when I watched it on VHS. Clerks, more about chasing Amy, Dogma, works my way through all of those. He's yep. comic work, DC. Yep. Green Arrow Quiver, Marvel Knights, mm-hmm. Daredevil. Batman, The Winding Gyre. Oh, Winding mate, Gyre. It just goes on and on. Company. The work that he's done with the DC TV shows, whether it be Supergirl, Flash, his recent movies, you know, he's back. He did James Silent Bob reboot. We're getting another Morvax movie. Yeah, Clerks 3. So he's very busy. Yeah. But the main takeaway for me from Kevin Smith is that he never takes credit. And he always downplays what he brings to any projects that he works on, pretty much. What I love about him is he hypes everything. He's never been one to to badmouth or poo-poo anything pop culturally. He will never say a bad word about things. He's about elevating things. He doesn't troll things. He doesn't troll. He's not one of those people. He just elevates anything that he's hyped about way up. Like He jazzes it right up and hypes it right up because he's a pop culture nerd like all of us. And that's what I love about him. He's so positive and enthusiastic about whatever it is he's passionate about and hyping up. It he, really is, yeah. And he's, yeah, what he's said many times over his many, many podcasts, a rising tide raises all ships. Mm. And that's true. Like, why shit on something when you could be praising something else? Exactly. He brings it up. He elevates it. And... It really does. But the point that I was trying to make, though, is that he really does bring so much. And being a showrunner on this show, and we've heard about shows that he's tried to get off the ground in the past, whether it's his original characters or other properties, mm. it's good that he's finally having success with this. Doing that, yeah. But again, like, I'm it's not a... sure if you've seen it, but for both parts on Netflix, there's a half-hour after-show show. Yes, I did watch that. Yeah, and, the, and part two, which I watched last night, Griffin Newman was on there, and he voices Orko. Yeah. And he was just, again, giving props to, to Kevin, saying, you know, at one there was just one occasion in the script where Orko would, would say a spell. And mm. they thought it was that effective that they wanted to use more of it because mm. Newman's delivery was fantastic. What I didn't know, the original cartoon, his voice was synthesized. This is actually Newman doing the voice, doing the voice himself. Up. Yeah, he does. He proves it. He does it on camera. But on the back of him, or it being decided that they should have Orko casting more spells, Smith was just ad-libbing. And he was just like, say say this, say that, say this. And it's all, yeah, it's all just, in the show. Just riffing. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so I think a lot of credit should go Kevin Smith's way because he'll certainly not try and take it for himself. No, he, he pays loving respect to the original franchise, but he's got a few of his signature one-liners and zingers in there. Oh, definitely. And not, yeah, but not just like his one-liners. What about with uh, Alicia Silverstone playing that was Prince Adam's mum? And she says that famous line from Clueless, what if? Oh no, as if. I was thinking the Marvel animated series. She says, as if. As and if. the delivery was just like Cher in Clueless back in the 90s. Can we talk about the Fisto moment? Yeah, I mean, that's that's in there as that's well. so good. And, and Fisto, voiced by Ralph Garman. He's oh, Hollywood Babylon podcast co-host. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, what's the line? I mean, you you 
messaged me the line yeah, the other yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, there's a scene where Skeletor and his forces uh, descend upon Eternia. It looks like they might win the day. You know, they're they're, they're outnumbering the, the the good Eternian forces from King Randor, and Fisto makes the comment. Oh, I'd like to fist him. <laughs> it's just so Kevin Smith. And again, he takes sounds... something that's as a kid you didn't yep. really you didn't really see any innuendo in that, but then he totally turns it on his head and makes it innuendous. And then you go, Oh, I see what you did there, you clever bugger. But that line delivered by Ralph Garman, it's like you're listening to Hollywood Babylon. Yeah. 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 I love it. And you know, Jason Muse, he's in in here as well. That I was mean, cool. Yeah, I mean he pops up in pretty much all of Kevin Smith's things, but yeah. he always brings something to it, and he's playing Stinkor. Stinkor, yes, the figure I had as a kid as well. Yep. Um, <laughs> we get everyone in this, and uh, you know, we, even Moss Man makes a cameo. We get Moss Man, we get Scareglow, um, we even get, and this is really obscure, but if you watch the movie, the Master of the Universe movie with Dolph Lundgren and Frank Langella, we get a cameo from Blade. Blade and Pig Boy. Yep. And Pig Boy is voiced by Kevin Smith. Yeah. Did you notice, or did you do you know who voices Mossman? I did know, but I forgot. Remind me. It's Alan Oppenheimer, who in the original series That's voiced Skeletor. Skeletor. That's right. He voiced Man at Arms, Cringer, Merman, Roboto. He did a lot, so it's really cool that they brought him back for this. That's amazing. Let's talk Prince Adam He-Man. Chris Wood. Monel from Supergirl. They obviously worked together on on that show. That's and pretty awesome. This is, I mean, the performance from Wood. I mean, he's definitely playing Prince Adam more than He Man. Yeah, I think we could probably talk about it here. Yeah, like how many fans were upset? Like the the opening of this show, He Man dies. Yeah, straight off the bat. That's that really pissed a lot of people off. Straight so off many. The bat. People complain saying, hey, this is He-Man's show. You can't kill He-Man. Yeah, well, why are you wiping of things, him out? Yeah. It's, the original show was He-Man and the, the Masters, Masters of the Universe. Of the universe. This so, is not that, although a continuation. It is Masters of the Universe. A yeah. lot of people were upset that He-Man had been killed, sidelined, and this show was going to be all about Taylor. But it well, makes sense that you would um, put the spotlight on the other Masters of the universe. Absolutely. But then, you know, before the, I'd say, yeah, mid-season finale, to the end of part one, they bring Prince Adam back, mm. only to kill him again. And then the same Twice. people got upset. And admittedly, like I didn't want the show to kill He-Man, don't get me wrong. Mm. But it's like, well, let's give them the benefit of doubt, but whether could... it's the, the casting, the animation style, the sound, everything about the show looks so polished and that a lot of love and care has gone into it yeah i was willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and you could see that it was a, it was clearly a plot device because they had to expand the season they they had to tell their story and expand the episode so, so it was always they they knew they were going to release it in two parts yeah. they were very strategic with how they were going to tell that story yeah. but ahead of part two we saw the the poster that they put out there mm. and clear as day on the poster is he-man yeah. So it's like, we don't you know, know how, back. but you know he's coming back. Yeah, you know but, he's coming back. That's the worst kept secret ever. But it was a different He-Man. It was yeah, Savage He-Man. He's like Hulk He-Man. Incredible He-Man. Well, Savage He-Man. That's the official yeah. name of the character. Savage He-Man. They released a toy. But I mean, even even He-Man, he's, 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 he's normal look in the show, he's pretty roided out. He's a lot bigger than the original He-Man we got in the 80s. 
I mean, yes, he is. He's that's, got a much bigger... That, that's manga's influence. That's paying... Uh, anime, rather. That's paying anime paying lip service to... Or them paying lip service to anime's influence. What's an interesting contrast? You're right what you say, that He-Man is bigger. Mm. But on the opposite side, Prince Adam is smaller. Smaller and more gaunt and more Because, scrawny. I they mean... To show the contrast. For the most part, Prince Adam pretty much looked like He-Man. He in the original. Only he's wearing pink and purple. Yeah, Adam was a tank. <laughs> Adam, Prince Adam was an absolute tank in the old show and you were just like hang on you're He-Man but your complexion isn't so tanned and you're wearing pink and white clothes same hairstyle same Can hairstyle not mistake that bowl cut hairstyle yeah yeah That's... yeah so I like the, the distinction between Prince Adam and He-Man there's more of a they had to make it more subtle there. makes sense too yeah no absolutely um, Skeletor Mark Hamill I yes mean, wow I mean the cast we've said it the cast for this show is phenomenal amazing but having mark hamill voicing skeletor is just genius oh and they even got kevin conroy that's right kevin yeah, conroy is also batman and joker facing off again yeah so he voices merman in this yes but yes it, hamill I mean, he's the king it doesn't get much better in terms of voice work i mean as if his his resume as, as an actor wasn't impressive enough come on he's luke skywalker but his voice work stands speaks for itself the Joker, Batman animated series, is the go-to reference point, I think, for this. Mm. I mean, Skeletor always had a bit... Well, I can't say I had a bit of Joker about him because Skeletor came first. Mm. But that sound... Now, I am a massive fan of Mark Hamill, Absolutely. whether it be Star Wars, yep. the Joker, Trickster, in yep, the Trickster. Flash live-action right, right. series. But he often... like. Again, this is not a slight because I love what he's doing in this. Mm. But his Joker, not exact, but no, I was going to say his Joker. That's his Skeletor does sound like his Joker a little bit, only with influences from that original series. Yeah, just like in the '90s Spider-Man animated series, his Hobgoblin kind of sounded like his Joker. But again, love Mark Hamill. Everything that he does, yeah, it's, whether it's live action or in animation, but you do hear Skeletor, and you can also kind of hear the Joker. But that's okay. We we love Mark Hamill, and I do love his. I keep going to say his yeah, Joker. Yeah, yeah. I do love his Skeletor. his Skeletor. Yeah, so we can overlook the similarities just because of the fact that it's him and he's the king. But honestly, if you were to close your eyes and you had Joker, Hobgoblin, Skeletor, they're all the same. Similar. Let's go with similar. 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 Let's go with similar. Yeah. But no, he, he does a great job. Let's talk Man at Arms, also known as Duncan, voiced by Liam Cunningham. And I didn't realise that guy was Irish. Well, do you know what? When I didn't know until watching the after show, but mm. then it all clicked into place because for the most part, whenever Man at Arms spoke, I could hear Liam Neeson. Yeah, yeah. Okay, he that... definitely had a Liam Neeson quality. And what is that? It's a gruff... Irish accent. Mm. So there you go. Absolutely nailed it there, Liam Cunningham. I, I thought the voice was excellent. At no know, point did I think, hey, I wonder if we got Liam Neeson. You know, I thought he had some of the most meaty dialogue in the show. Uh, it's season, part two, I should say, of season one, uh, the second part, gets very Shakespearean um, with with his action interactions with Evil Lynn and how he's trying to play head games with Evil Lynn. Because, uh, you know, obviously there's a power power struggle or a power play a power vacuum between her and Skeletor and you, you, you've got Man at Arms taken prisoner in the dungeon and he's trying to tell her you know you can totally usurp Skeletor from power here you can you can you can make that power grab and, and there's such a really nice play uh, give, and, give and take 
or push and pull between Skel uh, sorry between Evelyn and Man at Arms, and their dialogue is very very meaty and juicy. And that's what you want. You want that character driven dialogue. There's, there's so much praise we can we can just give the show, and no doubt we will. Yep. But one of the biggest ones is fleshing out those original characters. Yeah, because they're, 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 when you watch the original show in the 80s, they're just henchmen, or they're just characters. They're so one-dimensional, and you know the bad guys get defeated, the good guys save the day, but you don't get the the machinations of the characters. It doesn't drive into their, their, what, their, you know, what drives them, what makes them tick. This and does. It's said in here as well, like a, a man at arms, it's not just about physicality. Mm. It's the mind as well. The mm. mind is a weapon. Absolutely. Yeah, like it's the most impressive man at arms we've had. Like, blew, blew us away for sure. Yeah, fantastic. And playing his daughter Taylor, we've got Sarah Michelle Geller, Buffy Summers. Absolutely. I mean, wow. <laughs> she did a damn good job. She knocked. She was. She knocked it out of the park. Yeah, she really did. And this is a different Taylor. I mean, this Taylor, we find out that not only is she the daughter of Duncan, she's also the daughter of the sorceress who had to leave her family to be confined to Castle Grayskull yeah. to essentially be protector. Well, I, I guess he man's the protector, but yeah. she's like, I mean, what would you say? She, I mean, she is a protector of the universe. Mm. And she's angry at he man too. She's angry at Adam for not divulging his secret, you know? And, um, and Adam in turn is angry at Randall, but all their motivations uh, are fleshed out in this show because you don't those motivations aren't apparent in the in the original honestly i i wasn't prepared for as much drama mm. that we get like this just internal politics because yep. you mentioned that so yes uh, adam and his dad but then you've got his dad and his wife mm. queen marlena because she knew all along that adam was really he-man yeah and, and the resentment that teela had too getting back to her but what i think what i think is great about her, this iteration of teela is this for this generation? She's not just portrayed as some damsel in distress. Not that she ever was in the original either. I must stress. I must stress that. But just that she's a real role model for 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 the girls and women of today. Like she's a real go getter. She's not afraid to take up arms and really, you know, go out there and take it to the boys and and show that she can hold her own. And I think that was a really good, powerful message for for young women and then for for girls. You know, today in today's generation. Yeah, and. For the most part, it kind of like the show rests on her shoulders. Like she becomes the main character, and very much so. She drives the second half of the narrative. Some people didn't like that, but it definitely works. And and again, like this is this is a lived-in, evolving world. Mm. Like relationships change. So yeah, I definitely like the direction they're taking her in. Absolutely. Lynn, or Evil Lynn, as she's more commonly known, voiced here by Lena Headey. Wow, how good! Yeah. Is Lena Headey, and how good is the portrayal of Evil Lynn in this show? And her evolution. Well, she becomes, she has the power. Mm. I never did I think I'd see Quite something literally. like that. But she we find, was... we find out in her past, she was a gutter rat. Yeah, she was taken in by Skeletor, and and it gets to the point where she feel, she still feels like she owes him because he lifted her up, although she recognises that he belittles her every turn. Mm. And if not for her, he wouldn't have come back because he, he died yeah. at one stage and then he's brought back by using her. Mm. But even when she's got all this power, she's got the power of the sorceress, he's still bossing her around. Yeah. It's the, this, the juicy writing, that really juicy, meaty, character-driven writing that you love. Um, and she is evil in... Definitely speaks to that. She's like we talked. We spoke about Man of the Arms before, 
but she's just as much the counter to him in terms of the emotional beat, the right of the writing beats. Yeah, she is. She's fantastic, and I've I've got to be honest. Like I was rooting for her during part one. Yeah. I wanted her to be good, and it looked like maybe she would, mm. but ultimately, she's not because again, her name, Evil Lynn, and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely, that's it. We've mentioned uh, Deatrix Bader already as King Randall. That was cool. Also, like voices Trapjaw. Yep, which is which is fun. Uh, Alicia Silverstone, great as the Queen. Stephen Root, Cringer, Battle Cat. He was amazing. Stephen Root is one of those underrated dudes who's just a character actor. Oh, he really is. He pops up in all these dramas and comedies. And comedies, and you just you can't believe how serviceable he when is. You pay attention. He does a lot of animation. Like he's done a lot of DC work. Yep. And yeah, he is really good as as Cringer. He first came to my attention in a movie called Office Space. Yeah. Yeah, with Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Mike Judge movie. Yeah. That was yes, that was my first exposure Absolute to Absolute classic. And For he's... me, it was Dodgeball. Ah, uh, yes, he was in that too. That's where I first noticed him. It yep. was... And then since Dodgeball, hey, it's the guy from Dodgeball. Yeah. But for you, There's, Office Space. Hey, it's the guy from Office Space. Yeah. Orko in this, like the character was a joke essentially, and the in the live action movie with Dolph Lundgren. He's not even in it. No, they. What's they, the other character that they have instead? That's it. Yeah, they have another character with mystical abilities or power of like science. The writing in the movie was so lazy when you think about it. In the show or the movie? The movie. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. The writing. I mean, the, the movie. It's it's got its good qualities. Like the the score by Bill Conti is phenomenal. Mm. I absolutely love that score, and it it's essentially it's not really him, man, is it? No, it's it just got starts nothing with to do. nothing to do with the show. Him in Eternia, and I guess budget restraints they stick him on Earth for the yeah. majority of the film. But you know what? I think even you and I we've reviewed that, haven't we? Yeah, we have. I'm pretty sure you was on that. We episode. have. But I mean, it it um it serves to underscore Orko's treatment at the hands of the movie yeah well they absolutely ignored him but here he is and i'm gonna say better than ever Mm -hmm. i mean we do get the bumbling orco like the spells aren't quite going to plan yeah but there's consequences in this show orco dies yeah and then when you get to the point where the dead are rising mainly evil except for orco he's got it together Mm. he's doing the spells that orco gets to be a hero yeah. and you know what i'm saying that evil lynn stayed evil for the most part she did but then she does save orko yeah there's a, there's a redeeming the arc for her there and orko largely issues the um court jester persona that he he was known for but everybody gets a moment everybody yeah, gets a moment great. in the that's show that's what's great about this voicing sorceress of castle grayskull susan eisenberg mm. for me Wonder Woman of the DCEU. There you go. She's done a lot more voice work, but that's the big standout for me. And I'm sure a lot of people that have watched are listening yep. to this. That's going to be their go-to as well. Beast Man. I didn't see them doing what they did with the character. Voiced here by Kevin Michael Richardson. Thought it was him. For the most part, he was a good shoulder for Lynn to lean on yeah and he more so in part two they got more time together and he was pointing out to what we've said already that mm. you don't need him you no longer need Skeletor if anything he needs you. you and you get the sense too that that Beastman cares for Lynn there's, there's a bit of an emotional attachment that he might even like her like romantically there, there's, there's, there seems to be 
Potentially, that, yeah, yeah. That tension between them, or at least she won't acknowledge it, but he seems to have that, that vibe about him. I mean, what happens? She turns him into a beast. You know, <laughs> he's more says, of a beast than you know, what's the line? You know, some days I don't know if I'm beast or man, or more beast, more man, where yeah, now right. I'm all beast. And yeah, she, she transforms him, yeah. similar to Cringer as Battlecat. Yeah. Goes into maybe she's into trying to show him his his true power, and you know, maybe he he should just you know be in tune more in tune with his beast side rather than trying to reconcile his his, his manly side. You know, let's um, you could get philosophical with that. Let's let's actually talk Evelyn Skeletor. Something happens in this. Oh, I've yeah. never I've never seen in He Man before, oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I've read He Man comics. I've not seen it there either. Um. Yes, they they, get, they, get, they get hot and steamy. I don't get quite know how it works, but Lynn starts snogging his, I want to say teeth, <laughs> like she's kissing his skull. How does that even work? I, just, I, I watch that going, this isn't right. He hasn't got lips. He can't, like, French kiss her. He... I mean, they strategically animated it so as she was fully going to kiss him, uh, you're looking at essentially the back of her head. Because yeah. I think if you're the other way around, yeah, you'd be like, just, what, am I, awkward. Yeah. what am I looking at? But that it was just showing that you're just a weak man mm. and she was able to get the sword she from used, him and that's yeah how... she was able to connive and con and manipulate to yeah. the end to get to, to achieve the means to her end and that's how she got the power yeah, yeah henry absolutely. rollins is in this is triclops and Hank i rollins. i don't remember triclops having as much to do as he does in this show and it does lead into isn't he an insane cult leader in this one in this one yeah so like they really progressed and i think again mm. it's been such a long time since i've watched that mm. original series but yeah. they do seem to have changed his character he's is more more of a threat in this mm. and he's working with who is going to be the bigger threat because they do tease a second season hoping you'd get to that hoping you get like so we do what we, we do need to talk about that well do you know who that character is the machine character i'm not familiar well i'm not familiar with the machine character either but who but what's revealed at the end is definitely hordak and Hordak was the villain from Shira. Well, we got Hordak in the beginning, didn't we, of, of part one? Because mm. that's who Skeletor was shown to be working for. Yes. But yes, Hordak. I definitely knew Hordak from Shira, Princess yes. of Power. Who was He-Man's sister, it was revealed. Uh, cousin, I believe. Cousin. Just cousin. like um, Superman, Supergirl. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they were cousins. I'm pretty sure it's safe to say, too. When I was a little kid, I had the biggest crush on Shira. I did. Shira. Two-dimensional two two yeah, two animated character. <laughs> Go figure. But <laughs> as a little boy, I was like, who is that? Yeah. Funny times. But um, yeah, I, I, to answer your question, I don't know who that mechanical machine mach, machine sort of character is, but they do something to Skeletor. Well, that's right. He was like taken over by the machines. I mean, mm. this show from start to finish, again... But part keep, two keep is guessing. like they've got the momentum. I mean, as soon as you start part two, you're just off, and yep, it is like watching races. an epic movie. It's great, isn't it? It, it really is. You're I really, mean, really right. What yes. you said before, part one being episodic, and it's a it's like a slow, steady climb up a roller coaster, and then you hit the the apex of the roller coaster, and, and that's part two coming down. You're coming down the other side of the, the roller coaster in part two, and it's just nonstop careening. Yeah, so much happens. So it's like. Everything is constantly being escalated, yep. and then that's definitely where we where we left off. Like what's happened to Skeletor? 
the big threat going into the next season. That tells me there will be a second season. I mean, this thing has been proving to be enormously popular and it's really sparked the love that fans have. Honestly, I'm so hoping that they do more. And mm. it's a Netflix original. They've brought lesser shows back. Yeah. A lot of them. So yeah. hopefully we do get more. I think so. I think this is going to be a huge success. I mean, you can see what it's done nostalgia-wise. It's reconnected everyone to their childhood love of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Well, definitely, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit. We, we've said and complimented the the artwork, the, the designs, the, the animation that we're getting from this show. Mm. But if we're going to talk specifics, what this show gives us for the first time, He-Man and Skeletor have visible nipples. That's not something we got before. It's not something I watched out for you as a kid. I did not pay attention to that. But this time... Yes. Wow. Visible nipples. I'm pretty sure the toys didn't have nipples either, did they? I mean, why would they? I'll have to I mean... look. No, I'll have to, I'll have to double check mine when we finish recording, but I don't think they did. Well, that's right. You've got the retro figures. We'll have a look after we've done this. Yes, we'll investigate. Examine them for nipples. By contrast, Teela, Evil Lynn, and the Sorcerers have been redesigned so that their outfits do not reveal any cleavage. The new costumes for Teela and Evil Lynn also cover up their formerly bare legs. So there's some slight redesigns there. Tonally, it's a lot darker than than what we've got. But again, this is geared towards a more mature audience, like the two of us, essentially grown-ups, adults now, that watch the show as a kid. Absolutely. And I think you, you um, made an interesting point there with in regards to the women's clothes. I think, obviously, they don't want to objectify women or make them seem as, as objects. And I think that's a pretty fair thing to do. That's even though, you know, yeah. He-Man's got it all on show yeah, even, still. Yeah, He-Man's got it going on, but we've, the girls have to cover up. But you know added, what, if that works for today's world, then I guess we can, <laughs> we're getting a new show, we can't complain. We've added nipples. I mean, it, it makes sense that He-Man's exposed. It's the design of the character. Mm. I mean, remember, we said we weren't going to mention it again, yeah. but the, the new, what was it called? The new He-Man Adventures or whatever that ponytail show was. Yeah. They did a costume redesign there. Nothing about that show worked. No, it was terrible. The music, right? We don't get the original, the original score, score, the iconic which score. I don't know why, but they would have didn't. Been great, had they to bring it back. Well, I don't know why, but they didn't have access to it. I'm assuming copyright, like something is stopping them from being able to use it. But I think it works in the show's favour. Is mm. the composer is Bear McCreary. Oh yes, he's done he a lot did of work. Battlestar Galactica. I'd like it. Just goes on and on. Like he worked with Mark Hamill on the Child's Play remake yeah he's and done a lot of stuff i've seen his name pop up in credits he's very shows. prolific he recently worked on godzilla so he's doing film tv and you're gonna like this right because i know you're a fan of these two things his approach and his pitch to kevin smith is like okay this is what i think the show should sound like a combination of conan the barbarian and early metallica Oh man, this guy already, he's, he's just won my heart. <laughs> Honestly, awesome. that was his pitch. That's the show. Come Whether the it's the, Metallica. the main theme, and that's, he's nailed that. That's brilliant. That sentence just, wow. <laughs> 13 year old me is jumping up and down inside. I knew like, you'd yes. like that. I knew you'd like that. So earlier on, so if we're looking at part one, like you get a lot of synth, but you're getting that early Metallica sound with Conan influences. When he gets into part two, it's a lot more epic. Yeah. So he's looking to people score, like... Score-driven. Yes. So he's looking at John Williams, Elmer Bernstein, 
Jerry Goldsmith, you know, all the greats. Absolutely. And it really delivers. So we've got the voice cast. We've got the we've got the the story. We've got the the animation style, and we've got the score. Let's hope they do a soundtrack for it. Well, they have. Oh, okay. Yeah, they've released it in two parts, okay. and apparently, it's getting a limited vinyl release. Ooh. If that hey, interests hey. you at all. But yeah, this show is just firing on all cylinders. I mentioned it a couple of times now. The after show. It's available on Netflix. It's titled Revelations, and it's an after show special they've done it for like walking dead and various like they've done it for star trek hosted by smith as well some of his compatriots yep it's it's smith rob david from mattel and tiffany smith and actually we didn't mention tiffany smith she voices the new man at arms i'm blanking on that character's that's right, name the female character that's right and she becomes a new man at arms at yeah. the end randor she... accepts her into the army that's right mm. who is she andra that's it. So she's yep. she she's the new character. Um, as well as the show, the after show, there's also a comic book. Dark Horse Comics and Mattel released a Masters of the Universe Revelation comic as a tie-in to the series. I must get that. Oh, I've, I've read it. It is excellent. The comic serves as a prequel to the series, and it was released as a four-part miniseries. Did you read it digitally or physically? Uh, digital. Damn, I was going to borrow it. Okay. Yep, <laughs> digital. But it is available, and no doubt in time for Christmas, they'll release it as as a trade. Nice. I'll definitely have to look for that. We can rate this show that we've just been praising for like the last 35, 40 minutes. But if you're going to rate Masters of the Universe Revelation out of five. What do you think I'm going to say? Well, five does seem to be your go-to on most things we talk about. But this in particular, I mean, I think five. Yep. Okay. Five. You guessed it. Um, dude, I mean, come on. It's the return of something that we have loved since we were kids. And it's been done so spectacularly and in the right hands, so brilliantly. I can see why people feel a little bit hurt, betrayed, and let down by aspects of it. Um, and there is a little bit of that going into it. When you watch the first half of it, you're going, what's going on? This isn't quite right. This doesn't feel right. But then if you put that aside and you go into it with an open mind... It just feels like Masters of the Universe are back. It feels like the spirit of the original is back. Um, and it just, it feels good. And it just feels right. It feels like home. And it's really reignited my love for it. It's a franchise that's kind of been in the cold void of space for me for many years that I've not, I don't want to say forgotten about, but just have, I've put on the back burner. And to have it come back to the warmth of the sun again and, and feel the warmth of that show and feel the warmth of how many good childhood memories it had just brings it right back to it and it hits you right in the nostalgic feels and you go you know what now i remember why i love this thing so much as a kid and how could i not give it a five come on like kid me inner me is just like beaming with a big smile i love it i mean what can i say i love the passion <laughs> how much passion you've got for this franchise yeah now i i couldn't agree more like for me it is a easy easy five out of five i loved every minute of it i mean i said you know getting good feedback from critics um audiences i think struggled with that first part was it a bit of a gamble releasing it in two parts because when all is said and done this show isn't killing he-man but if you checked out the first couple of episodes and like you know what i hate this show what they've done to my beloved character because you don't give it a chance if you don't have an open mind you need to you need to stick it out i 
yeah, I honestly, I had such a good time with this to the point where I purposely didn't binge it. I wanted to enjoy it and I did. I enjoyed every episode and loved every minute. It is an easy five out of five. To summarize, I think it's very fair to show, very fair to say that this show fists it out of the park. Yeah, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, that's it for our episode all about Masters of the Universe Revelation Season 1. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Nathan, thanks for being on the show. By the power of Grayskull, thanks for having me. You are more than welcome. We have the power. That's the thing that they're saying. That's what we do. We have the power. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Heavy metal. <laughs>